You're listening to Matt Walsh On Demand. America WK with your host, Andrew WK. There's much more we can do to improve our lives by working from the inside out. Really, no problem can be solved from the outside in. And even if it is solved, it's just some type of band-aid. We have to heal things, fix things, improve things from the center, from the core. And that actually begins in us, not in anyone else. America WK, Saturdays, 10 a.m. to noon on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to the Matt Wolf Podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for being here. Okay, so this is going to be a, a shorter one today, but I wanted to, we, we've, we've talked in the podcast about, I think about politics for the last few weeks, which is, uh, which is uh, uh, unfortunate, I guess. But, but then again, that's, that's, the, that's the season that we're in. We're in the, the season of, of campaigning, which lasts, you know, as soon as the, uh, the campaigning ends, for one election cycle, the, the next one begins. So we're sort of always in that season. But um, we've talked a lot about, and I've, and I've been on Facebook, I've decided that I'm going to, um, you know, as, as the weeks progress, I'm going to write my own little analysis of each presidential candidate on both sides, Republican and Democrat, uh, just kind of summarizing my views on them. So I've done, I've done uh, I did Ben Carson a couple days ago, then I did Ted Cruz. But I thought, you know, sort of thinking about it, and uh, how do I, how do we, when we're looking at a presidential candidate, it's a very basic question, but what are we looking for? You know, what's the, um, what's the, the filter that we're passing these, these people through? How do we decide who we like and who we don't? And it, it annoys me a lot, and I think everyone says they're annoyed by this. When people get caught up in a cult of personality and they, you know, decide to, uh, support a presidential candidate for personality reasons, uh, you know, because it's the trendy thing, uh, because they 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 look at uh, presidential politics like it's reality TV. We all say that we're annoyed by that, but then so many of us do it. So I think it's important in order to avoid becoming one of those people who get swept up in a cult of personality. In order to avoid that, I think we need to come up with a very clear idea of... Uh, of, of why we vote for certain sorts of people and what exactly we are looking for. So for anyone who's interested, here's the litmus test that I apply to presidential candidates, okay? Now, as I've explained my, before, my first concern is that a candidate is good. And uh, when, I, when I say good, I mean decent, honest, virtuous, God-fearing. Because if they don't possess these traits, then nothing nothing else matters. If I can't trust the person, if I can't have any faith that they're going to act with virtue, uh, if I'm not confident that they're at a minimum, you know, decent human beings, then I would be a fool to, to cast my vote for them. Uh, a person's stance on the issues doesn't really matter if, if their first concern is their own power and prestige. Uh, this is also why a real and obvious active faith in God is so important. Uh, because if a man has no faith in God, then he'll become his own God. And, and when a political leader is his own God, the nation is on a, is on a short road to, to tyranny, you might say. So if I'm not convinced that a candidate loves God and has integrity, then as far as I'm concerned, the game is over. I'll never vote for them under any circumstance. It doesn't. I don't care what they say about anything. 
if I'm not convinced that they have character and virtue integrity, that they love God, then that's it. So that's the first thing I'm looking for. I, I think I'd be failing as a man and as an American to intentionally support someone who I already suspect may be morally bankrupt and spiritually depraved. I think we're, we are all failing as citizens, as people, when we do that. When we say, yeah, well, you know, he's, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't say that I can necessarily trust him at all, and I think he's probably um, you know, not a very good man, but I'll vote for him anyway. Well, then you're failing. You're failing as a citizen. It's un-American. But if a person passes through this first uh, filter, then I will um, ask three things about them. I'm going to ask, do they believe in, in the dignity and sanctity of human life and of the family? Do they believe in the legal supremacy of the Constitution? Do they demonstrate a real and true devotion to protecting the liberties outlined in the Bill of Rights? Now, again, if I cannot answer yes to all these questions, and you can never know for sure, but if I can't confidently um, come to the conclusion that the answer is probably yes to all these questions, then that's it. I'll never vote for them under any circumstance. I need to know that a candidate at least possesses the moral and intellectual clarity to know that killing innocent babies is wrong and should be illegal. I also need to know that they'll respect the laws of the land, which is the Constitution, and not try to make up their own as they go along. And, and finally, if they barely even mention the Bill of Rights and individual liberty, then they have no business running for president of the United States because our country was founded on these principles. So I, I want to see that a candidate is excited and knowledgeable and convicted about uh, these principles before I'll, I'll consider lending them my support. There are some, and just because a candidate gets up there and talks about liberty and freedom doesn't mean he actually believes in it. But I've noticed sort of anecdotally that this uh, election cycle, um, there it appar- it's apparently an election cycle where liberty and freedom isn't polling very well because there are a lot of candidates, even in the uh, top tier, so-called, who don't even really talk about it. It's a very weird thing, especially as a conservative, you know, watching... Republican presidential campaigns, you're just used to hearing the Constitution and liberty brought up quite a bit. And this time around, it's like there are people who are top-tier candidates don't even pretend to care about it. They, they don't even talk about it. Yes, I'm referring uh, especially to Donald Trump, but not just him. And that, and that concerns me. I want to at least, and yeah, it could be a fake, it could be a put-on, but I want to... Uh, uh, I want there to be some indication that the person running for president cares about the Constitution, cares about the Bill of Rights, and really wants to protect our liberties and, and restore them, restore the protection um, that's, been, that's been lost in recent years. So those are all, um, as far as I'm concerned, the necessities. Honest, virtuous, God-fearing, pro-life, pro-family, pro-Constitution, pro-individual liberty. I won't compromise on any of these points. And there's absolutely nothing that a man or woman can say that will convince me to relegate any of these points to, you know, negotiable status. But if by some miracle, more than one candidate appears to be equally as solid in all of these respects, then I'll go on to the lesser but still important matters. Okay. Uh, That's when I really get into the issues themselves. Because I don't consider, certainly a, a candidate's 
character is not an issue and and things like pro-life pro-constitution that isn't an issue to me that's just baseline fundamental uh sort of thing but then there are important issues and uh that's when i'll look at those so once we get through is he honest virtuous god-fearing pro-life pro-family pro-constitution pro-individual liberty uh and and i'm convinced on all those counts then we could talk about uh, do they believe in protecting the border? Do they believe in shrinking government, ending the practice of wealth redistrib- redistribution? Do they uh, espouse a strong but rational and ethical foreign policy that's in line with our with what our founders envision- envisioned? Um, and already, you know, once we've gotten through honest, virtuous, God-fearing, pro-life, pro-family, pro-constitutional, pro-individual liberty. Uh, protect the border, shrink government, uh, end the welfare state, rational and ethical foreign policy. You know, there's there aren't very many. I think at that point you're not you're very lucky to have one person who 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 still who still survives after all of these uh, criteria have been checked. You're probably not going to have more than one. And no candidate is perfect on these fronts. So it becomes a matter of seeing who's the strongest. Uh, among the uh, small field that pass muster on the on the non-negotiables, and then once we get to the negotiables, so once we've made it through these uh, you know matters of character and principle, then there's the not insignificant issue of experience, okay. And it's not that I want someone who was who's been in D.C. for a hundred years. It's not that I want someone who's you know born in D.C. and has never left. But they should have some sort of experience doing something that is in some ways related to the job they're applying for. Uh, and, and that's what, so we have to measure that as well. Now, notice that I, I, I never mentioned anything about I never said that I want a president with an, elect, uh, you know, an, an electrifying personality. Um, that's because I'm looking for a serious person who can lead the country, not be the most entertaining guest at a dinner party. That's not what I'm looking for. Also, I never said that I want a president who can, quote, create jobs because I don't. I don't want a president who can create jobs. That's I want the opposite of that, actually. The only job a president can create himself is a government job. And if we're going to shrink government, then we need fewer of those jobs. So I actually need a president who will who will take jobs away. That's what I want. Private sector jobs are up to private companies to create. So the best thing a president can do is take jobs away from the public sector uh, because he's shrinking government and then get out of the way and let businessmen conduct their business in the private sector. Okay, that's, that's, that's important to me. Running the country is not actually like running a business. And we hear that a lot about, oh, you know, running a country is like running a business. No, it isn't. Running a country is not like running a business. I don't know why people keep saying that. It's actually nothing like running a business. It's it's the op, it's really quite the opposite. A business, or at least it should be. Let me clarify. Actually, the problem is that our government right now is run by a business, like a business. That's actually the problem with it. Because a business is, uh, aside from, you know, whatever product it creates, the government doesn't create products, but... Um, Aside from that, a business is designed to grow, okay? Businesses are supposed to grow, and they are supposed to enrich 
their owners. Now, and that's fine in a business. Businesses grow, they enrich their owners. Uh, that's great. But the whole problem is precisely that politicians have run the government like a business in that they grow it and they enrich themselves with more power and more influence and, and even more money. Um, that's, that's the problem with it. So I want someone who's going to shrink, uh, shrink the government and take some of that enrichment away from themselves and the other people in government. So in that sense, it's, ve- it's really not, you know, you're not going to have a business owner wh- who wants to do that, right? So it's really not like running a business at all. I want, and you know, we talk about um, public servant and it's sort of laughable now, <laughs> you know, to, to look at the presidency in 2015 and say that, well, this is a servant of the public or to look at these bureaucrats and say they're not really, but they're supposed to be public servants. So I want a person who will run the country like a servant and a leader. And, you know, in, in some respects, a good leader in any facet is also a servant, you know, in some ways. Um, but I don't, you know, when you, when you talk about a great business owner or business leader i don't know if you if you would necessarily say well they're servants oftentimes they're not but that's what you want from uh from the government so i don't care about that i don't care about running the country like running the uh the, the government like a business i don't care about their personality and i'll tell you one other thing i don't it's become an election where people are very obsessed with uh you know we we need a um we need a president who's not part of the establishment. Now, I agree with that in one sense. And that when you say establishment, you're, you know, you're talking about guys like Mitch McConnell, John Boehner, who's leaving now. Thank God. But establishment has become this sort of catch-all phrase that I have heard applied to, like, everybody. You know, I, I've heard uh, people, we're at a point now where Ted Cruz is called establishment. Rand Paul. Scott Walker was establishment. Rick Perry was establishment. And these in some, these are, you know, senators who are despised by the people who I would think of as establishment. And then you have governors who who were not in DC. So if even they are then it, then apparently what establishment has come to mean in many people's minds is uh, establishment is just anyone who's a politician is establishment. And if that's what establishment is, then I don't care if they're establishment or not. Because I'm okay with electing a politician. I think there's some, there's some uh, uh, advantages to that. You take someone like Ted Cruz. Yes, he's a politician. But in his role as a politician, he's gone up against guys like Mitch McConnell. Ted Cruz stands on the floor of the Senate and calls Mitch McConnell a liar. So for him, the fact that he's a politician is a selling point. Because you look at what he's done with his, in his role as politician. If somebody, you know, here's the problem, and this is why people hate politicians, for good reason. Politicians uh, get into office and they lose their principles, they lose their integrity, and they become sort of just these self-preserving leeches. So that, that's an issue. But, uh, but the problem is that this can happen to anyone. And in fact, if you have someone who's never been in politics then it's hard to know whether that will happen to them or not. It, it very easily could. So if, you, if, if there's a politician running for office, 
who's already been in the system and hasn't lost their principles and integrity, then that's a then then you should be looking to them more than the person who isn't a politician. Because the whole concern about someone becoming a politician is that they lose their integrity. But if there's someone who is a politician and hasn't yet, well, then that really tells you something about them, right? It's just, it's very rare to find somebody like that. But I happen to think that in this election cycle, there are a few, a few select politicians who, while not perfect, far from it, uh, have not completely sacrificed their integrity and their principles. So to me, and I don't know if that if they're establishment or not because they're politicians, it doesn't matter to me. The word means nothing anymore because it's so broad. But I'm going to look at the fact that they're a politician and that they've retained these uh, principles, their character, to a large degree. And to me, that's a selling point. And that's it. And that's how I, that's how I decide who, I, who I'm going to vote for, for, for president. Uh, it's a it's a pretty simple process, actually. And if I apply this consistently to everybody, then it becomes really easy because there are very few uh, candidates who can pass muster on all these points. And if I end up with two or three who do, that's a good problem to have, right? But um, but that's the way that I look at it. And I think we should all have our own uh, we should all have our own litmus test, and it should be more than you know one issue. And it should be more than just the issues. It should also talk about their character and all that and their experience and all these things. But we should put these in a, there should be a hierarchy and we should put all these things in perspective. What's the most important? And then once they get through the most important, what's the next most, you know, we should have, we should have that in mind. And that's, that's my system. You can adopt my system if you want. That's fine. I'll allow you to do that. All right. Um, that's going to do it for me. I hope you guys have a, have a great weekend. Enjoy, uh, Enjoy football on Sunday. I'm a, you know, I live in Baltimore, so I'm a Ravens fan. They're 0-2. I'm going to the Ravens game on Sunday, and we're playing a division opponent. We're playing the, the Cincinnati Bengals, um, and we struggle against them. So it's going to be – I don't I, – I could be going to the game, and this could be – if we lose that game, we'll be 0-3, and we're pretty much out of the playoffs already. So it could be a really depressing – there's nothing worse than going to a game – and going through all that effort and spending all that money and then to see your team get trounced. It's really, it's really very, so I'm nervous about it. So, uh, so pray for me. Probably not the most, out of all your priorities of things to pray about, probably, you know, maybe that probably isn't up at the top. But anyway, if you find time. I'll talk to you next week. Acruce Salus. Godspeed, everybody.